Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. Well, the dust has settled, and John Tortorella is the new coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. If ever a candidate in epitomized the Philadelphia market, this might be the guy. It's our latest Broadcasters Roundtable, Tim Saunders with Steve Coates, Jim Jackson, and our newest member, Jason Mertitis. Welcome, Jason. Welcome, Jason. Uh, Welcome, I do a Jason. couple games for Coatsy, and now all of a sudden i got to do the Broadcasters Roundtable. Yep. Got just make sure that's the last yeah. seat you You're jump into. You're moving on up, but just try to be on time next time. Well, <laughs> it's, what, over six months since the Flyers removed Elaine Vigneault and rode out the 21-22 season to its unfortunate and maybe inevitable conclusion, now the John Tortorella era begins. And while accountability is his trademark, Coatsy, I I think of you. This guy is going to bring what you have said for years. He's going to bring a personality that you think has been missing here for a few years. I think it's going to change everything, and it's one-stop shopping. It's what the doctor ordered. Everything that you want to happen will happen with him. In some cases, you can bring a coach in, and all of a sudden you've got to go find a captain. The captain's got to be the leader. He creates the culture. Not with this guy. You don't need that. He's already said he's not going to name a captain until after the beginning of the year when he learns people. But bottom line is is that he's a guy that will take control. And everybody, I think the media really give him a bad rap because of the type of uh, person he is, and he's very aggressive, and he's he. he you're not going to walk away from him and say, I wonder what John Tortorella just meant. But he'll make our players better. Our players didn't get better. We had nobody get better. Our culture. Our culture is about, and one thing that he said that's really important to me, we are the Philadelphia Flyers. And right now, we are or were the Philadelphia Flyers. Somewhere we've lost sight of our brand. And this guy will bring it back instantaneously. And that's why I'm saying there's a lot of things I could keep talking about right now. I don't want to steal from anybody. But the bottom line is this is the guy. Anybody doesn't think that this is the guy to coach this team at this juncture really don't understand what's going on. What was the over and under and how long it would take for him to knock his cup over? I think he somehow found a way to do the under, though. He already spilled. <laughs> he had money on it. Well, you know what? 45 seconds. <laughs> well, no, the reason I did that, I did that purposely because this is a sponsor of ours. Okay. Yes. So what happens is that the cup fell over and now it's picked up on camera. Right. Now it has attention and we're talking about it. Okay. Yeah. This has been destined How do I get them to on? happen? Don't you think? Uh, Team yeah. Jason, yeah. you've said that. Uh, he was, he's, he's Philadelphia through and through. Yeah, I, I love the choice. Um, Three things, Coatsy mentioned two of them, actually. One is identity. The Flyers haven't had an identity. He, His teams always play with identity. And Coatsy also mentioned accountability, which uh, I don't, I'm not going to get into what other coaches have done, but one thing you know with John Tortorella is you are accountable. A um, couple of guys I know, uh, Cam Atkinson and Scott Hartnell, have been scratched by John by, by Torts. almost said John Hartnell. And uh, Torts is a guy that they, they both love, so it shows that his approach can work. He thinks long-term instead of short-term. And then the other is structure, which this team needs defensive structure. His teams also play with that. So those are three big boxes checked uh, by John Tortorella. And I think he's going – he's a great choice. I mean, there were a lot of great choices out there. Don't get me wrong. I think the Flyers could have gone in a number of different directions. But uh, secretly, when people were asking me, he was my choice, and I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, you look at the coaching carousel this offseason, in some ways it's probably going to – outshine the unrestricted free agency carousel with the names that were out there. Trots, Cassidy becomes available. You know, Claude Julian's available. 
uh, you know, all the movement that's happened all over the league. Andrew Brunette's now available. He was on the President's Trophy winning team. Kind of got coached a little bit in the playoffs. But the thing with Torrell, and I started beating his drum probably years ago. Um, I never minded the confrontation with the media. To me, that's theater, even though I was a media member. People were like, how could you, how could you cover a guy like that? To me, that's theater. But to me, I look at the thing that he brings, and it's kind of what you talked about, Coatsy, is there's a standard. And it's not, it's not murky what his standard is. He doesn't care if you were just acquired as a star player like Patrick Laine in his second game and you're trying to woo this guy to stay. He'll put you on the bench if you don't play the right way. He doesn't care if you're the highest-paid player, the lowest-paid player, anywhere in between where you are in your career. It doesn't matter. And that's the big thing to me is that, you know, accountability can't have, you know, caveats. Oh, you're an older player, so we give you a different – no, it doesn't work that way. And he is a guy that lives it like a religion every day. And to your point, I think that that's something that they need. They need to have a standard that doesn't sleep. That doesn't change. And when you say this is the Flyers, is not the Flyers, it's almost like they overcorrected the steering wheel a little bit from being the super tough team to now going the other way a little bit too far. And the answer probably is somewhere in the middle, right? A little bit more tougher. I think they need more toughness still, but he certainly brings that. And to me, it's all about the standard and the fact that accountability is something you can talk about, but accountability really is self-accountability, and I think there's some lack in there. You used the key word, though, early when you said confrontation, and yeah. this is why I love this guy. Really? Because he uses confrontation. Timmy loves somebody with co- who's confrontation. As a, I know Shocker. that comes as a shock. That's absolutely shocking. <laughs> confrontation <laughs> is a tool. It, it speeds you through the process. It gets through the BS. His number one job is to make players better. And sometimes you have to confront a guy. Sometimes it's an uncomfortable process. But you get there once you're forced to find common ground and understand each other. And confrontation can make that happen. The other thing I want to point out is he, there are there's a lot of coaches out there who say they are behind their players. This guy cares about his players. This is why what you just talked about, he can scratch a guy who's not used to getting scratched and yet a couple months later, that guy's saying what a great coach he is because that player knows that he's scratching him not because he's ticked at him, but because it's for his better good and for the team's better good. Uh, there are going to be some bumps. There's no question. There's going to be a player or two on this team that gets scratched early in the year, I guarantee you, and then we're going to be like, wow, that's a, that's a, wow, he's scratching that guy. And hopefully two or three months down the road we're saying, wow, it, it helped that player and helped the team. That's that's the way he works, Coach. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and in the in a lot of his confrontations with the media are defending players. Well, in the long run, he is for the players. Oh, no, absolutely. And it's really simple. For a player, the rule is if you go out and you play, you work hard, you follow the system, then you will play. If you don't, then you're not going to play. And then for the way he treats the press, as far as answering the question, if you're stupid enough to ask a stupid question, <laughs> then he's going to react to the stupid question. It's simple. We go, we watch practice, we watch games, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in and asks a dumb question. And Torts is the type of guy that quite likely doesn't really like that. So I think that this is going to be, and, and one thing that he mentioned the other day when I did a, a, a piece with him, he said, I don't really care about the individual. I care about a group. I care about the team and creating a culture in that locker room so that 20 guys go on the ice as one. 
Not one guy doing this and one guy doing that. We're going to be team tough. We are going to be a team that's going to be hard to play against. And I think that's something that is absolutely a necessity here right now. Yeah, one of the, You mentioned before, one of the things, there's a lot of narratives that come with John Tortorella, and maybe it's because of the way he's kind of gone back and forth with the media, that there's presumptions that are made. And I, I talked to a lot of guys over the last couple of months, even before he was hired, that played for him. Because I wanted to understand him. And like to your point, J.J., guys loved playing for him. That is a, that's a, not every guy is going to love him, but you'd be surprised. The ratio of guys that loved playing for him is probably way higher than most coaches. And the one that word that I kept getting back from guys that played for him was if you play honest, then you have no problems. If you play the team game, if you're a sum of the parts, if it's about the team and not you, then you won't have problems. But there's going to be guys, and there always is, that can say that they're a sum of the parts guy or they're going to play honest, but their actions don't always show that. And he doesn't let you off the hook if your actions slip once. There, there are players, Jason, though, where they care, but they still have trouble sticking to a system. Yeah. And those are there's a couple on this team. and. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to work on them. He's already actually yeah. <laughs> working on them. And, you know, he's got to get those guys in tow. They are key players with his team. Yeah. And there's that's where I say there's going to be some bumps. There's oh, some yeah. Bumps. There's going to be scratches, and the scratch can go two ways. It can either go take a player south or it can take them to the next level. Coach, you play professionally. You know this. Being uncomfortable and being challenged is a great thing. I think it is. Like, everybody says, well, oh, I feel bad for the players now. John Twitter says, What? Elite athletes are used to being pushed to uncomfortable positions. That's how you break through to next levels. Well, They're used uh, to that. So I don't, per- think, I don't feel sorry for anybody. I'm a perfect <laughs> example of understanding that you don't like sitting on the bench because that's where I spent an awful long time. <laughs> and I said, I, I, quite frankly, I said, I don't mind uh, sitting here, but do I have to dress up in this funny outfit? <laughs> <laughs> and can, I get a, can I get a drink, please? <laughs> yeah. I mean... You know, I noticed this, and I paid real close attention to this in his press conferences when he was announced, about how he has evolved as a head coach. He's not the same John Tortorella than he was 22 years ago when he took his first job in Tampa. Um, He's got his basic beliefs that he's not going to get too far from, but he recognizes both today's athlete has changed and the game has changed, and yeah, he's the oldest coach the Flyers have ever hired in this position. I don't have any concerns about that because he's evolved as a coach. And if you don't, I think you don't end up in the league as long as he has. Yeah, I, you know, age in his case especially is a number. I mean, I you watch his press conferences, you don't think of him as a, a guy who's old and gonna, we're going to have to worry about his energy level. No. <laughs> I don't think there's any concerns there. So, uh, you know, when, when the – what is he, 64? Just turned. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, and then yeah. The Happy day, birthday, John. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I look at him and it's like, wow, he's sixty four. So uh, I don't think it's like Pete Carroll in the NFL. He's pushing seventy, isn't he? Yeah, you'd never think that. There but are those guys, guys don't last as long if you don't evolve. And no, he has for evolved. sure, absolutely, to. he's yeah. evolved. He's he's smart man. I mean, he he knows. <laughs> I was, I, sixty four. <clears throat> so now he's the second as oldest guy here. 
I'm the oldest. Okay, okay we'll get that out of the way. How's your evolution gone? Not you really evolving? good. Okay. <laughs> Take a look at me. The evolution. <laughs> As I was saying, there are some people, age is just a number, and then there's yeah, others. So. Yeah. But, Torts is the kind of guy that he's got a sense of humor, too. Yes, he does. I mean, he's really got a good sense of humor. So he understands. I mean, he was making a, a joke at, when we were doing this event with some season ticket holders, and he said, well, when we beat you guys in 2004 to go on to the Stanley Cup, and I went, yeah, isn't that a big deal, right? That Fedotenko could have stood there the rest of his life and not have that puck hit him with the knob to go beat Robert Est. And he said, ha, ha, ha. So he, he's got a sense of humor. He likes to have a lot of fun. And I think that that's what this is job, his job. He's going to bring people. He's going to draw the people. And that's something we need. We need the team to be entertaining, and we need people I mean, the, the game has to be entertaining. I think the market's going to take to him, too. Jason, sure. you had him on your show, yeah. your other great podcast, uh, Flyers Daily, and he's been chomping at the bit to get the opportunity to coach in Philadelphia for a long yes. time. He is yeah. so excited about yeah. this. Yeah. That's not fake. You know he, no. that he showed it in all That's his real. pressers. It's, yeah. it's real. Because it, you can sense it's real, too, when you talk to him. It just fits, right? Whether it's the his name ending in a vowel in Philadelphia, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know everything about it, like I could see him in, like doing the Rocky thing, running through the, uh, <laughs> the 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 shopping thing down in South Philly, whatever it's called, uh, the market. But no, I mean he just fits from a personality standpoint. You know, the one thing he said about the evolution of coaching I thought was really interesting when I talked to him was he said, you know, in earlier in my career, I overcoached. I wanted to control everything, every element. I would. Just, choke it basically choke the game and he's like i gotta realize that i can't do what these athletes can do you know the skill that they come into the nhl now with is so far beyond what it's ever been for a litany of reasons like how and he said how can i who was a substandard hockey player possibly know how that guy can execute on the ice i gotta let them go a little bit but they have to have that framework and that that baseline of construct to play within, and if I can get them to do that, then I've done my job. And also get them to push, obviously, to the next level and hold themselves to a standard they didn't know they could get to. Yeah. On that point, um, there's this theory out there also from some of the uh, the naysayers that he can't coach the highly talented players, right? That, oh, that's totally that not true. dummies them down. You know who one of his favorite players was? I talked to some of my friends in Columbus. One of his favorite players was early in his days in Columbus? Artemi Panarin. Oh, yeah. And, and you can't get more of a freestyle player than yeah. I mean he's he's he doesn't but he he loved he said he's a pro, um, so that that uh, that's one of those. And things Panarin that, liked him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, no doubt you, about it. you talked about what he said about uh, over coaching, and I think coaches in, in every sport at every level can be guilty of that. Totally. And he recognizes that. You know who came to mind is talk about another Philly guy. Uh, back in my Detroit days, I covered the Bad Boys, the back-to-back championships, and that was Chuck Daly to a T. Oh, yeah. He knew how to get the hell out of the way yeah. and let his Good team guy, run Daly. himself. Did you know Chuck? Yeah. Did you? Was, yeah, I had a couple beers with him. <laughs> what a <laughs> shock. <laughs> You've you never had book. a couple oh, beers no. with anybody. No, You'd open a phone book and just point down and go, hey, a couple hey, beers with him? He lived here. I got to be honest What you just said about uh, overcoaching and, and understanding. He had an interesting comment the other day about power play. He says, I'm going to go out and find a guy that was an outstanding power play player to coach the power play for this team. 
I don't have the ability to be able to do it. In the world today, you've got to specialize. He says, I'm going to yep. go out and get a guy that knows the power play, understands the power play, has played the power play, and that's how we're going to become better. That just tells you that he understands where he came from and where he's going. Yeah, I think that's that's a big thing. It's just the one area of his tenures in the NHL that has not been very good. I think overall through his three ten or four tenures, Vancouver, the Rangers, Tampa Bay, and obviously the six years in Columbus, I think he ranks around 24th in the NHL overall on power play. And we saw this past year, goal scoring was up. Why was it up? Power plays were up. So you got to be better on the power play. The one area, too, and I think this is a huge thing for me, and, and in some ways it may, other than the standard that he brings, it may be the biggest thing that I'm looking for from John Tortorella, and that is the ability to develop young talent. Because we've seen guys, I think the team has drafted well, but somewhere along the line, the the development has gone sideways with some players. Some it's come up, and then it's kind of regressed or plateaued. But John Tortorella looked throughout his career. Look at the development of young players. To, to me, you look at an older coach, and you have this automatic thing. He prefers veteran guys. He doesn't play young guys. That's baloney when it comes to him. Got LeCavalier, he was 19 years old. Was LeCavalier going to be great? Yeah, probably. But... He's a Hall of Famer. Turned out all right. Yeah. Marty St. Louis got him at 23. Same thing. He's a Hall of Famer. Undrafted player. And there's players littered throughout his entire career. Go as recent as Seth Jones and Zach Warinsky. Young players. He gave a ton of responsibility to. Coached them hard. <laughs> yeah, Warinsky. Well, look a, where they are. The bump in that, the road kind that of was, guy. It that took was almost not easy. a year. It yeah. took almost a year. Yeah, because he's but, a freewheeler, right? Absolutely. But, you know, you, you bring up a good point about this Flyers team. Because everyone talks about this rebuild, whatever you want to call it. It's going to take years, and I don't buy that for a second because we went through the rebuild. Ron Hextall, all that drafting, and the team back in 2019-2020 was on the way. I mean, everything was going well. Then the pause, and everything since then seems to have gone around amok, mainly injuries. But the bottom line is they have young players here. Now they're young veterans that connect these Proveroffs, the Sandheims. They can be better. I mean, Sanheim took a big step last year, but these guys can be better. I think he can bring that out in them. I also think he can bring it out in the Cam Yorks and the younger uh, players. That's the key. Yeah. I, I, Is those guys going back on that trajectory, right. the, the 24 Huge. to 26-year-olds? To, to be what was expected of them, yeah. to begin with. Yeah. To get back I mean, on track. I mean, these guys weren't bad players. They're good players. Yep. They came here for a reason. But start playing the game of hockey. Somehow they lost the sight of being hockey players. Yeah. And it became too easy to, learn, to lose as compared to winning. And it became a culture that was too easy to lose. Yeah. And now you've got an opportunity to change that, and he can be the lead drummer in it because that's the way he coaches. That's the way he'll take control. And you won't need, like, to say, well, do you think Sean Couturier should be the captain? Do you think Kevin Hayes should be the captain? Do you think Cam Atkins should be the captain? He'll decide when it's time to do it. But before that... We will continue on, and we will get back to where we were as a hockey team and the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, there was a Real part quick, of this. On, I just want to follow up to that. Before the 1920 season, remember the offseason acquisitions there? It wasn't exactly like they went out and they got no. some great guys. Tyler Pitlick. Right. Uh, Matt Niskanen. Who hockey player. Good hockey player. Right. Yeah. Like, Niskanen turned out to be Think great. about the yeah. difference this, that they made. Like, Niskanen was a nice player. He's not yeah. going to the Hall of Fame or no. anything. Grant was another guy. Yeah, Derek Grant. Grant comes in, right? These guys, they made a huge difference because they slotted everything right. And I think like there's this narrative that, well, there's no talent here. Well, Travis Connecting had four or three 24-goal seasons, and the last one he did it, did it in 69 games, which is no a 30-goal pace. 
So yeah, there, there's some there injury concerns still, going in, but there, there, there is some talent here. People around the league who think Provorov is a player that is much better than what he's been. I mean, mm -hmm. saying he is a true number one defenseman. It's possible that happens. We know if Ryan Ellis is healthy, much greater chance of that happening. Yeah. Uh, but but the bottom line is, I I totally agree with what you're saying. That's why I don't think this it'll take four or five years theory, uh, you know, tank for Bedard. All I just don't buy any of that. In 06, 07, they were, we had a worse record than than they had this year, and they were in the conference finals next year. Granted, they had more salary cap space and they could bring in a lot more players. I understand that. But in the NHL. Rangers are a case in point. The turnarounds can be a lot more quickly. Uh, they, they can happen more quickly than you think. There was a, a part of this whole process, though, that bothered me. And now it's irrelevant. Who cares? But so much was made in the market about bringing in the outside firm to help in that search. And the perception was that that somehow reflected poorly on Chuck. We just talked about how John Tortorella has evolved as a coach. I think our sport is evolving. Mm. That firm didn't make any decisions. They helped set a process, set a road map for how they were going to do it, what was the profile of their ideal candidate, and they just professionalized the search. I got no problem with that. It's just like analytics, right? You, you, do, uh, you, you take what you can from the analytics. I don't think all analytics, you can just look at analytics and make assessments, but I think any information to me is good information, and you add to it. And So why not? This, this couldn't hurt. I don't understand why you'd be critical of something to uh, get a, such an important position as the Philadelphia Flyers head coach right now. So I would think you should exhaust all your all your avenues to be able to get the right guy. If it takes a, an outside contractor to come in and give advice, I'm all for it. And I know that it has been used in multiple teams in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the Flyers the are the first one to do it. Right. But you know, this is a copycat league, so all of a sudden everybody will be doing it now, and nobody will be saying, well, you can't be doing that. That's just silly. Right, and I think the problem is somebody floated out there that Chuck did not want towards, right? That was floated out there. So, yeah, it, that's that's where this all well, when you have He's Barry, not even making the decisions, which I think. Yeah, when you have Barry Trotz available, he's obviously a serious option, and he was a serious option here. He's opted not to coach this year. Um Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet's talked about it ad nauseum. A lot of professional sports teams, high-profile companies, are doing exactly this because we've seen in too many situations these companies make a hire and then there's skeletons in a guy's closet. We see things come out. And these are high-profile jobs, public, a lot of public interest. And if you make the wrong decision and you hire the wrong guy and he's got things in his past, then it reflects upon the entire organization. So what these companies do is they come in and they trim all that away. They do the due diligence of the skeletons in the closet and all of that stuff and get that so that you make sure that you're hiring a guy for what you're hiring him for. You know, we saw what happened in Chicago. The result was Quenville in Florida. All of those things, like you want to know all of that before you make this very important decision that that's not going to exist in the hire that you're about to make because we've seen it all over sports. In San Jose, we saw it. We've seen it. In the NFL, in it, obviously what's happened in Washington, we've seen it with San Francisco 49ers have used a, a search firm. It's much more commonplace than people know because it's been more on an executive side, but now they're transferring that to the public-facing side, which is coaches and general managers. Well, and Chuck's gone through this process before. He's hired mm -hmm. coaches before. He said, after the fact, it was the best process I've ever used. 
I should have been using it, doing some of this stuff before, and I probably will in the future. It helped him identify what he called the three tenets that he identified what he needed to have in a coach. Honesty, empathy, and communication. I think John Tortorella checks all check, the check, three check. boxes. Absolutely. <laughs> he no checks doubt. every box. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. We opened up about what we were talking about. Every box he checks. And I, I just think it's an exciting time. I am absolutely excited. And I'm going to go back to what Jimmy said. I don't believe that this is a work in progress as far as the time is concerned, like two, three years. It's a work in progress right in front of us, and it starts in September, and I think it's going to happen fast. Our players will all become better. The Farabees, the Connectmes, the Sandheims, uh, all Hayes. these players. Hayes. Yeah. All these players. And we forget, and you brought up injuries too, nobody. I can't think of anybody that could coach a team this season that had five over 500 games lost to injury. You lose every one of your centers. And we say, well, it's an excuse. No, it's not an excuse. Yeah. It's a reason. It's a reason. And it goes back to then yeah. everybody was slotted in places right. they shouldn't have been to That's begin right. with. Yeah. So he, now all of a sudden you have an opportunity to come in with a new guy, a fresh look, a guy that brings an exuberation to a group of kids that not did not get better. Look at Ritzelainen. I mean, everybody's critical of Ritzelainen, the analytics trade Where are you going to get a guy who's going to cause a problem for everybody coming into your zone like that on your hockey club? On top of that, he's never learned how to play the game. He didn't learn anything playing in Buffalo. They didn't make one playoff. Is and then all be of a like sudden, his 12th coach. Yeah. yeah. So and then all of a sudden he comes here and we, uh, <clears throat> the bed. So what's he learned? What's he learned? <laughs> Maybe <Yeah>. it's me. <laughs> well, but, he was careful not to identify specific guys in talking to the media, but he did point out that, for instance, Kevin Hayes. And I, I love to hear this. He thinks there's another level to Kevin Hayes, I agree. and Torts is going to be the best thing that ever happened to Kevin Hayes, I think. I agree yeah. totally with you. I think you got two big centers in Couturier and Hayes. I, I tell you what, I, I really was very, very impressed by Morgan Frost at the end of the year. I mean, all of a sudden, it was like a switch went on. Like, all of a sudden, he was a player. Yeah. Didn't you find that? Yeah, and I think he's also one that uh, go, goes back to uh, Jason's point, is a guy that Torts can really have a nice impact on. I thought there were, there were about uh, – about, uh, I had four things they needed to accomplish. One was get the right guy as head coach. They've already done that. Two is health, which, unfortunately, we had the Joel Farabee news, but they've got to be healthier next year. I don't know if they could be less healthy than they were last year. Three, and Jason, you talked to this, the young players, and I'm not talking about just the really young players in Illinois, Cates and Cam. I'm talking about Konechny, Provorov, Stanheim, uh, Tippett. They have to take a bigger bite out of the team than they did. And then I still think they do need a dynamic offensive player. I mean, remember, they traded Claude Giroux. So that is gone from the start of the year. I do think they're going to have, and it's not, it's going to, you know, Chuck's going to have to be creative with the salary cap. Somebody's probably going to have to go, but I do think they need a dynamic offensive player for the power play um, and just for five on five as well. I, I think it, some of the things he managed to address last summer, now, none of, a lot of it didn't work out because of things that he couldn't control, but he did way more and checking off what needed to be checked off last summer than I thought was possible. I have no lack of confidence that he's going to be able to do it again. Yeah, I mean, we never got to see that team. Right, we exactly. Do you disagree that uh, that Ellis was a huge loss? Huge. Absolutely huge. Yep. Outside of Sean Couturier, the yeah. biggest loss. He could have yep. 
taken what Niskanen brought to the table, yeah. helped Provorov be better, and all of a sudden your number one and twos are outstanding. Well, well, your three, your third pair is better too because yeah. the trickle down effect of not having Braun with Yandel. That's right. Was a was a disaster in the making. Yandel was a seven, and and he'd be the first yeah, guy. He would have been fine as a six had Braun been there, possibly. Right? But the yeah. third pair was a, a big part of the problem. Oh, huge problem. I mean, when you look at the numbers. So that hopefully is is better next yeah. year. So, we, I mean, we wanted to focus on John Tortorella. I think we have busy summer. Chuck's going to have yep. a lot on his plate. Ooh. The draft's coming up. Free agency. Um, he, he, some guys that are going to have to probably be moved to accomplish what he's going to need to be uh, have accomplished. It's going to be a real interesting few months before we all get back to work here, and I think we're all looking forward to that. I am. I mean, I'm excited. I think this is going to be good, and. and 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 before we went on or started this, it was mentioned, and I think Jimmy mentioned. We had plenty of time. I was late. That we were. <laughs> we know. Uh, half hour. What did I tell you right now? It's a $100 fine, and I'm collecting the money. Okay? Bill Meltzer was never late. Not Bill once. Meltzer was never late. And by the way, make sure you tell Bill Meltzer that I said nice things about Morgan Frost. <laughs> He's his agent. Yeah, he's fighting the fight on Morgan. <laughs> but, but, like, back to Morgan real quick. Like, that's going to be one of those players. And do you understand the language that Torts is speaking yes. right away, right? Yeah. We saw a little bit of that last year, you know, with Mike Yo trying to get Morgan to do the right things in all zones as opposed to just flashing offensively. So there's, there could be some battles there. That's going to be. What I'll say for any fan, though, that is like, you can tell we're all pumped, right? If, if any fan out there hasn't. Uh, listen to your podcast with John or coach to your interview or even just watch his presser over again is just do that 10, 10 15 minutes of that and you're pumped you go down the John Tortorella YouTube rabbit hole <laughs> oh well there's some I interesting did things there yeah <laughs> I, I did that you're tell Larry Brooks fan tell Larry Brooks I said I go down that rabbit hole and I go like this is fun like there, there's there's a personality to yeah, the team no with doubt. him here there's a standard and like it's been tough. Like it's been tough the last couple of years. People ask, they go, "What you know? What was it like the last year or two? You know, when you run into him at a Wawa?" And I said, "It's kind of been like we were insulation installers in a hot attic, <laughs> where you get done the job and there's still like fiberglass in your fingertips for about a month. That's what it feels like to kind of wash last season away. Like I feel like it's washed away. Maybe it's because the cups handed out and we're just over a hundred days until October 11th. All of those things." But I am really excited because I think – I don't know where this season goes. I don't. I think a lot depends on Ryan Ellis and how they kind of deal with that situation. But if they can deal with it, if it's LTIR, if he plays, whatever, um, is a big thing. The goaltending thing is a big question mark to me, the backup goaltender position. You know, are you going to go with a guy like Fedotov? To me, that's a bigger question mark than Ryan Ellis even. Are you going to go with Sands? There's, uh, there's a lot of big things that need to be answered that a lot of it, Tim, will be answered in the next couple of weeks with free agency – what do they do? Is James Van Riemsdyk here? Is he a buyout? Is he a trade? Do they retain money? Is there a young player prospect going somewhere? What do they do with the fit? There's all these questions. I got lists of questions. I do, too. I can't wait to find out the answer. I think you just I, listed them. I, yeah, yeah, I got well, more. I have a question. What the, the heck trailer. were you doing in an attic putting insulation? <laughs> I wasn't. That was a what hell of an analogy, yeah. wasn't it? It sound like you've been through just, it. Why like, where the hell did that come from? All right, we'll save a lot of that for future uh, <laughs> roundtables. Go back to your attic, yeah. <laughs> to your attic Jason. I, I think the word we all danced around with, uh, with Torts is passion. He's got oh. that in spades, and Philadelphia's absolutely Gonna love these this guy. Good to see you guys. Thank Enjoy you. the rest Good of the summers, yeah. and we'll yeah. do this again soon. I'm gonna hang out for an extra half hour. <laughs> yeah, you should. And come up with a hundred bucks. <laughs>
With our latest broadcasters roundtable for Steve Coates, Jim Jackson, Jason Martinez, the late one, I'm Tim Saunders. The preceding program is an original production of the Flyers Broadcast Network. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersbroadcastnetwork.com.